Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. This week we're going to have a look at the vexed issue of inflation. The surge in inflation coming out of the pandemic and its subsequent fall has been the dominant driver of investment markets over the last two years. First depressing shares and bonds in 2022 and then enabling them to rebound in 2023 as inflation came down. But what's driving the fall? What are the risks and what does it mean for interest rates and more broadly for investors? This week we take a look at these key issues. The first point to note is that inflation is in retreat. Inflation appears to be falling almost as quickly as it went up. In major developed countries, it peaked around 8 to 11% in 2022 and has since fallen to around 3 to 4%. And this includes in Australia, where the latest inflation numbers for November fell to 4.3%. Of course, inflation has also fallen in a broad range of emerging countries. So what's driving the fall in inflation? The rise in inflation, of course, got underway back in 2021 and reflected a combination of massive monetary and fiscal stimulus that was pumped into economies to protect them through the pandemic lockdown. That was then unleashed. In other words, all that stimulus was unleashed as spending when the lockdowns eased, first on goods, then services, at a time when supply chains were still disrupted. So it was a classic case in, I guess, monetary economics of too much money or demand chasing too few goods and services. Its reversal, in other words, the reversal of inflation since 2022, reflects the reversal of this policy stimulus and pandemic support measures ended. Pent up or excess savings has been run down by key spending groups in communities. Monetary policy has gone from easy to tight and supply chain pressures have eased. In particular, global money supply growth, which surged in the pandemic, has now collapsed. But what about Australia? Why is Australian inflation higher than in other countries? There has been some angst about this, with Australian inflation on the most recent reading at 4.3% being higher than that in the US at 3.4%, Canada at 3.1%, the UK at 3.9% and Europe at 2.9%. But this mainly reflects the fact that Australian inflation lagged on the way up and lagged by around three to six months at the top. This lag partly reflects, in fact, I think it largely reflects the slower reopening from the pandemic in Australia and the slower pass through of higher electricity prices in Australia. So we saw peak inflation in December 2022, whereas in the US, for instance, it peaked in June 2022. But just as inflation in Australia lagged on the way up, it's still following other countries down with roughly the same lag. In fact, it's worth bearing in mind way back in November, December 2022, we saw very high implied monthly inflation numbers. In fact, in December of 2022, the monthly implied increase was 1.5%. That will now drop out of annual calculations for December 2023 and probably see annual inflation on the monthly CPI indicator drop down to somewhere between 33 and 3.7%. Of course, those numbers will be released in a few weeks' time. And of course, that is more in line with those other countries I referred to. But what about profit gouging? To what degree does the surge in inflation owe to companies' price gouging? There's been some concern that the surge in prices is in fact due to price gouging, and of course many cite billion-dollar profits from corporates as evidence. In fact, the Australian government has set up an inquiry into supermarket pricing. There are several points to note in relation to this. Firstly, it's perfectly normal for any business to respond to an increase in demand relative to supply by raising prices. Even workers do this, for example, asking for a pay rise and threatening to leave if they don't get one. 
when they are getting lots of calls from headhunters. It's the way the price mechanism works in allocating scarce resources through an economy. Secondly, national accounts data don't show any underlying surge in the profit share of national income outside of the mining sector. Of course, there has been if you include the mining sector because of the surge in commodity prices globally, which are set in international markets. But if you exclude that and focus on the domestic economy, there's been no surge in the profit share. And in fact, the labour share of income has been trending up slightly rather than trending down as the broader figures, including the mining sector, show. Finally, blaming either business or labour, with of course wages growth picking up as the key cause of the rise in inflation, risks focusing on the symptoms of high inflation, not the fundamental causes, which I think was the pandemic-driven policy stimulus and supply disruption. This is not to say, of course, that an increase in corporate competition in Australia wouldn't be a good thing. In fact, I think it would be. But it's very hard to argue that price gouging or profit gouging, or indeed a wages breakout, is the cause of the rise in inflation in Australia that we saw going into 2022 and high inflation continuing more recently, even though it's been coming down. So what is the outlook for inflation? Our US and Australian pipeline inflation indicators continue to point to a further fall in inflation ahead. In fact, heading back towards target levels potentially by the end of this year. This is consistent with easing supply pressures, lower commodity prices and slowing demand. We are not assuming a recession in Australia or globally, but it is a high risk and you could argue that parts of Europe are already in recession, particularly Germany. And if that occurred, it would likely result in inflation falling below central bank targets. Out of interest though, the six-month annualised rate of core private final consumption deflator inflation in the US, which of course is what the Fed targets, has already fallen below 2%, which is the Fed's inflation target. In Australia, we expect quarterly CPI inflation to have fallen to around 3% by the end of this year. The return to the top of the 2-3% target range is expected to come around one year ahead of Reserve Bank forecasts. So what are the risks? How could this projected decline in inflation go wrong? Of course, the decline and inflation is likely to be bumpy and some say that the last mile of returning it to target might be the hardest. There are five key risks to keep an eye on in terms of inflation. Firstly, the escalating conflict in the Middle East has the potential to result in inflationary pressures. Disruptions to the Red Sea Suez Canal shipping route is already adding to container shipping rates due to the extra time in travelling around Africa, which adds roughly about 10 days to a ship travelling from Asia to Europe. So far, this has only seen partial reversal of the improvement in shipping costs seen since 20. 2022. And commodity prices, and indeed the oil price, remain down. The US and its allies are likely to secure the route relatively quickly, such that any inflation boost is likely to be short-lived. The real risk, though, in the Middle East conflict is that if Iran is drawn directly into the situation regarding Israel and Hamas, threatening global oil supplies. The second risk is that economic activity could surprise yet again on the upside, again, keeping labour markets tight, filling prices and wages, and hence, keeping services inflation somewhat sticky. The third risk is that central banks could maybe ease prematurely before inflation has well and truly come under control in a rerun of the stop-go monetary policy of the 1970s, where they would ease monetary policy because of weaker economic conditions, only to see inflation take off again, having to retighten monetary policy and then repeat the same cycle, but never really getting it back under control. Fourthly, in Australia, recent flooding 
down the east coast or parts of the east coast in Queensland and Victoria could boost food prices and delays associated with industrial disputes at ports could add to goods prices. At present though the floods are not on the scale or anywhere near the scale of those seen in 2022 and we expect any impact from both the floods and the port disruption to be relatively modest maybe adding say 0.2% temporarily to inflation but it's certainly a risk worth keeping an eye on. Finally and also in Australia if productivity remains depressed 4% wages growth won't be consistent with the 2 to 3% inflation target. So notwithstanding all of that, our broad forecast and expectation is that inflation will continue to fall as we go through 2024 with inflation in Australia heading down to 3% and lower numbers being seen globally as they tend to lead the situation in Australia as they have over the last couple of years. So what would lower inflation mean for investors? High inflation, of course, tends to be bad for investment markets because it means higher interest rates, higher economic uncertainty, and for shares, a reduced quality of earnings as companies tend to under-allow for depreciation or the replacement of depreciating capital. All of which means that shares tend to trade on lower price-to-earnings multiples when inflation is high and growth assets trade on higher income yields. We saw this in 2022 with bond yields surging, share markets falling, and other growth assets coming under pressure, albeit with a lag. So with inflation falling, much of this goes in reverse, as we started to see in the last few months. In particular, interest rates will start to come down. We expect the Fed to start cutting in May and the ECB to start cutting around April, with both ultimately cutting interest rates five times this year. In other words, 5.25% rate cuts. There is some chance, of course, that both central banks could start cutting in March. In Australia, we expect the Reserve Bank to start cutting around June with three rate cuts this year. Shares can potentially trade on higher PEs than otherwise. And finally, lower interest rates with a lag are likely to provide some support for real assets like property. Of course, the main risk is if economies slide into recession, which will mean another leg down in share markets before they start to benefit from lower interest rates. This is not our base case, but it's a high risk. So finally, while inflation is on the mend cyclically, it's worth remembering that from a longer term perspective, we have likely now entered a more inflation prone world than the one prior to the pandemic. And this reflects a combination of bigger government as a share of GDP or as a share of the broader economy and including within that more regulation, the reversal of globalization with a trend towards increasing protectionism, increasing defense spending, which adds to commodity prices, the process of decarbonization, which entails transitional costs as we switch to cleaner energy sources and less workers and more consumers as populations age. So short of a very deep recession, we shouldn't expect interest rates to go back to anywhere near the near zero levels that we saw only two years ago. So I hope that's been of value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favourite streaming platform. 